Warning, Josh is not an expert in any of the things he talks about. He simply uses his head and does a lot of research so you, the audience, don't have to. Keep in mind, he doesn't know everything, so take the things he says with a grain of salt. What is going on, everybody? This is another episode of Josh Said What, the podcast that will change the world. I have on today a very special guest. He is the founding commissioner of the Professional Box Lacrosse Association. I got Steve Donner on. How you doing, sir? Good, Josh. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. How's your day been going so far? I mean, every day right now is really busy. <laughs> you know. Oh, I bet. Uh, openers coming up in different directions. So every day is a new challenge and a new level of excitement as we get ready to start the season here. Oh, yeah. Definitely, definitely. And to go ahead and jump right into it with it, um, for the fans at home, for the average viewer, I don't think they fully understand when I say the founding commissioner. Is that right? It is correct. I'm one of the founding uh, commissioner, one of the founding owners of the league as well. Okay, so how did that come about with uh, you becoming the commissioner and owner? Well, it's a long story, but uh, you know I've been involved for lacrosse, pole lacrosse for over 30 years. I was actually the uh, one of the founding members of the uh, NLL that exists today, and oh, wow. uh, was yeah started the Buffalo Bandits years ago in the old MILL. Started the Rochester Nighthawks and owned them for 14 years, and so I've been in lacrosse for a long time. And as the NLL was growing and uh, you know the player pool was evolving, uh, you know today I think the player pool in the NLL is like 96% Canadian. In the last 10 years, Josh, uh, the growth of U.S. lacrosse has exploded. And it continues to grow, you know, by the fastest sport, growing sport in the country right now. And organically, uh, you know, U.S. kids are playing, you know, field and they're they're finding ways to play box. And so, you know, for many years, the last five years or so, myself and John Livesey and a couple others, uh, you know, have felt there's been a growing need uh, for another league to, you know, open up opportunities for the American players, American coaches to play more box lacrosse and play professionally across the country. So. This is a combination of years of, of thinking and and uh, the whole vision is to grow box across in the United States. I like that vision. I like it, especially because for uh, me growing up uh, as a kid here in the U.S., I never really heard or saw too much of lacrosse or even just opportunity uh, to actually be there in person, participate. But I've always had a fascination with it and I'm still relatively new to fully understanding the sport. But I like that your attention is really focusing on bringing it more to the U.S., making more of a dominant growing sport, too. Thank you. Oh, say again, you froze for a second. Oh, I'm sorry. I just said uh, thank you. I really appreciate that. Oh, yeah, you're welcome, sir. You're welcome. And then to go ahead and give a breakdown for the average viewer who still doesn't really know too much about the sport, kind of give me a rundown of how the sport works and everything about it. Well, I'll tell you, one thing that's uh, exciting to explain to new fans is you don't have to know anything about box lacrosse or indoor lacrosse to enjoy the game. It is a, uh, it's a combination of one of the most exciting sporting events you'll ever see it's a bit of a rock concert with a lot of music. Uh, it's very interactive with pregame parties, postgame parties. Uh, our players have uh, a ton of uh, impressions on Facebook. Our league is very active, you know, social media through Instagram and Facebook. 
And so it's a, a, a league for today, a lot of interaction, but the game itself is a two-hour and 20-minute just dose of nonstop action, a lot of scoring, big hits, a lot of athletic, athletic plays, and, and most importantly, just a lot of fun. You don't have to know the rules to enjoy it. Wow, and it goes for two and a half hours, you said? Two and a half hours. It's, uh, you know, it's when the game is over, it's almost like an encore of a rock concert where the fans are saying, please don't stop. You know, this is so much fun. You know, we don't want it to stop. And it, uh, it, it just drives them back to the next game. Wow, that's pretty incredible. So you got like an encore where they're just demanding more action for it. Yeah, and, and so uh, and, and what's nice is the tradition of the game is our, our fans get to celebrate post-game with our players. And sometimes even the visitors show up at the post-game party. So, uh, you know, it's it's a, it's an interaction culture of, of lacrosse. And it's uh, it's just wonderful. It's just a lot of fun for the family. It's fun for young people uh, alike. Nice. Nice. And so if, say, if I wanted to, I see there's like a, like an exhibition match going on and I jump into it. I know you have those, I don't know what those staffs are called that you have, that you have the ball, but ultimately your goal is just to get to the other side, make it into the net. And there, is there any extra stuff that goes on t- in, in tie with that? Sure. Well, I'll give you a little rundown. So uh, all the rules are based on the teams running north and south, up and down the floor. So uh, there's no offsides. So if a goalie makes a big save, he literally can throw the ball the length of the field to an ongoing attacker for a breakaway. Uh, you know, if there's you know in hockey you have offsides and icing and things. You can play the the entire field and box across. You can't escape. Uh, there's a 10 second rule that if once the team has the ball, it has to get across center field line. The midfield line, if you can't, you give up the ball. And so it, it encourages the offense to move forward. There's a 30-second shot clock. So once you have the ball, you have 30 seconds to get the shot off on goal and get it registered on the goalie. Uh, and if you don't, you give up the ball. If you get a shot on, you get the rebound, you get another 30 seconds to take another shot. So it's, uh, it's a game that's meant to be played north and south and played fast and hard. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I, when I was a kid, I played soccer and it was just a constant demand where you had to be moving and moving. And whenever I've seen any action with lacrosse, I've always had that vibe. It's nonstop pace that goes back and forth. So you like really have to focus on your cardio conditioning. Yeah. And I think a lot of the guys in our league, uh, I've got a little wake up call because, uh, the NLL and some of the other box leagues have sort of a, a platoon system where they, switch offense on and defense on, depending if you have the ball. Our guys have to run both ends of the floor, almost like hockey players. So, man, if you play in the PBLA, you have to be in great condition to play both ends of the floor. Oh, I bet. I bet. And so with um, – because it's re- it just recently started this year back in, what was it, July, that you went ahead and formed it and started the PBLA? Yeah, it's been probably, you know, a year and a half in the making, uh, but we announced it in July. Yes. Okay. And you guys have about like nine teams right now, correct? We have nine teams all in the U.S. Uh, and great cities, you know, some traditional lacrosse historic cities like Syracuse, some uh, newer markets, you know, like in Charlotte that, uh, you know, is maybe not known as a class hotbed for indoor, but, you know, great Division One schools in Carolina. And so there's a great hotbed of uh, talent out that way. Uh, so it's a combination of traditional across markets and some growing markets. Nice. Nice. And you're, you're aiming for like from coast to coast to try to bring in more followers, more activity, more teams. 
Yeah, I think, you know, we've already got, we've got nine this year. We have already four or five teams that would like to join next year. You know, I think we'll, we'll uh, expand with, you know, some methodicism and not, uh, not to grow too far too fast, but, you know, we have a vision to go down the, the East coast, a vision to go Midwest and someday we'll build a bridge out to the, to the West, the far West as well. Okay. Nice. Nice. Yeah. The West is where I'm from. So I'd love to see some action with the lacrosse coming over here. Yeah. We've got some interest already in San Diego, uh, you know, LA, uh, Seattle. Nice. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's gratifying that people have sought us out, like our business model, you know, like our vision, you know, we just have to be careful that we don't spread ourselves too wide, you know, too soon. Right now we have a very good footprint that makes sense geographically. It makes sense financially for travel. And so mm-hmm. we want to grow, you know, smartly and not uh, get too excited to just grow everywhere. Yeah. Cause you don't want to hit that Avenue where you overexpand without realizing it. And then you have to kind of backtrack and then deal with whatever action comes from that. That's a nice, smart, uh, analytical approach to it where you're, instead of just jumping overboard immediately from the gate, you're very methodical with your approach, taking it step by step and let it, letting it grow more organically. Correct. Thank you. Yeah. And so with uh, lacrosse, does it, how does it work on a year basis? Is it just constant throughout the year or does it have seasons? So ours has a season. So we've, uh, we started training camp three weeks ago at the end of November, first week of December. Our season starts uh, December 29th with a, sort of a cool uh, opening game at the ILA Center on Six Nations Reserve in Ontario. It's sort of like the origins of the game. Uh, we have two teams playing the Jim Thorpe All-Americans, which is an ode to uh, diversity in lacrosse and uh, celebrating one of the best athletes ever in America, Jim Thorpe. We named our championship trophy after him. And we have the Syracuse uh, Spark going into play. Uh, they're uh, coached by a Native American. And so you know, it's going to be a, a classic, great game between two great teams and both coached by Native American coaches, celebrating the origins of lacrosse that their culture, the indigenous culture, is given to the game. Nice. That's awesome. I like that. I like that a lot. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. And with, uh, so you mentioned championship. How does that part work? Do, do you guys have like a tournament bracket system where the teams are competing to see who gets uh, the trophy? Well, you know, we'll have a nine team league. Uh, the top four teams will make the playoffs. And uh, from you know, top seed to low seed, they'll have one game in elimination series until we get to the final and have a one game final, almost like a Super Bowl final. Okay. Okay. And then the winner of that, they get the big, biggest trophy saying that they won. And then they start the new season and you go through it again. Yes. They'll have the Jim, Jim Thorpe trophy named after Jim Thorpe. And they'll carry the bragging rights to that trophy for the entire year until we get into the playoffs next season. That's awesome. That's awesome. I like that. And so with, when it comes to not just forming the teams, but also finding players, how, how do you recruit the players? Well, it was exciting. So when we announced the league, you know, on our PBLA website, pbla.com, we started a player portal and said, anyone interested in playing in the league, please register online with us. And uh, without a lot of promotion, we had, you know, three or 400 players sign up almost immediately, which was exciting. You know, and as we uh, word spread about us, you know, before our draft, we had a draft in October. At that time, we had seven or 800 players sign up, you know, for our first draft. 
And after our first draft, which was 10 rounds for each team, our player portal exploded. And uh, eventually we had 1,200 players that wanted to play in the league. So at the end of uh, November, early December, we had what was called a supplemental draft, the second round of drafting. So the first draft was 10 rounds. The second supplemental draft uh, was also 10 rounds. And it coincided with the last cuts of the National Lacrosse League's um, rosters. So after they made their final cuts, there was other additional players available. And after our first draft, the number of players that were interested in our league, it really became real because when they saw the talent in our league after the first draft, it, it attracted another level of talent that want to join the league. So I know we had this vision, Josh, uh, that we, you know, we wanted to have uh, top talent in our league and, you know, you'd hoped it would be there. And I'm so proud to say that after our two rounds of drafts and some free agent signings, you know, our product is going to be one of the most exciting lacrosse products, you know, here in the United States. Nice, nice. And when you explain this stuff to me and these sudden like bursts where you go from having 400, 700, 800, 1200 plus, and like your whole system just crashing because how many people want to join? For me personally, I feel like almost there's a new refreshed desire for like a revamp in sports in the US because we've always had NFL, we've always had baseball, basketball. And now you see like MMA being a different sport that's now just bursting out of nowhere in the U.S. It seems to me almost like we're the U.S. They're now switching over to these new style of sports that's just gaining more traction. It's more appealing and you're going to start finding more talent like you are right now. Yeah, thanks. So I think what we're seeing is the, the fans want action today. They want they don't want a slow game. They want a fast moving game. You know, all of our attention spans are not what they used to be, <laughs> you know, and so everyone's enjoying a little shorter attention span. I think they, they want uh, interaction. You know, it's, social media is it in the United States today. And so if you have a league that, you know, is sensitive to the needs of and the wants of the social media crowd and our players, you know, uh, have their own followings and are very interactive with our fans, uh, I think that's what's going to make our league really popular and, and fun. Because, uh, you know, like we haven't played a game yet, Josh, and we've had over 7 million interactions on social media. How many? 7 million. 7? Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, it, you know, and that's before we've played our first game. And uh, so, you know, we've, uh, from day one, we wanted to make it, it, it interactive for our fans. We had a name the team contest for all of our cities. And so we, ha we had hundreds of thousands of entries of uh, team names and all of our team names that, we have today were in large part selected by uh, our fans. And so from day one, you know, we've made them feel part of what we're doing and we're communicating with them weekly and daily. And as we grow as a league, uh, you know, we're going to make them feel part of that growth. That's awesome. That's incredible. 7 million. That's incredible. That's that shows already that there is a demand for something that's going to be more fast paced action pass, such as the cross, because like you say that you already have the emphasis on, social media and considering how favorable on Facebook, Instagram, I could see where you're able to capture like just like 40, 50 second shots of a lacrosse game, that peak time, throw it on social media, and then boom, you have massive engagement like that. Yeah, and we're very fortunate that our social media team is literally the major league team of social media. They, they uh, you know, Sometimes we can't keep up with them because they're so creative. And and every day I, I put my phone on or look at my computer, they're just knocking my socks off with something new. So, and that's what we're trying to do is new content, fresh content, 
And, you know, if it's uh, if it's knocking the founders off their socks and hopefully our fans are enjoying it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And now to kind of pick your brain with it, because it kind of popped up in my head with the draft. How does that whole process work, like the behind the scenes aspect of it? Well, it's been fun to watch our coaches. And, you know, again, I think you know what level of league you have when you see the level of uh, research and preparation your coaching staff does going into a draft. And every one of our nine coaches, um, man, they, you know, they, they use their resources, whether they're friends, they, you know, the, uh, the national statistics of collegiate players, statistics of pro leagues, uh, summer leagues. You know, there's a lot of stats online. A lot of our coaches have been involved in the game for years. And so they have a network of, you know, uh, other coaches and scouts that are always feeding them information for players. Once word got out that our coaches are involved in the league, you know, they are going to all the resources to put their preparation together for the draft. And, you know, we wanted a, a good mix of players, you know, in our league. We wanted, you know, the, there's a, an outdoor league, the PLL, which has an outstanding brand of lacrosse. You know, we certainly wanted players from there. We have we have the NLL, you know, and players that have been trying to crack the NLL for years and maybe as Americans couldn't quite crack a steady lineup. We wanted those players. We had a very talented group of indigenous players who were playing box lacrosse since they've been born. And we wanted, uh, you know, an indigenous you know, to make their mark, you know, in our league as well. So when you saw the draft unfold and, you know, guys were putting their teams together, I was just clicking them off one by one saying, wow. You know, these these coaches have done their homework and, uh, you know, they've all built their teams a little bit differently. and They've had a philosophy and how they think they can win the league until we start playing games. We won't know who's going to be the most successful. But uh, all I can say is, uh, you know, each team is going to have a very distinct personality and a mix of players a little bit different from the next. And uh, every one of them is going to be extremely exciting. We had a, a preseason game last weekend between Elmira and Syracuse. And uh, it, even though it was a preseason game, the two coaches prepared for this game because there weren't many preseason games before the start of our season. And neither, neither team wanted to lose the game. And so that game was played like a playoff game. The intensity and the hard hitting and the movement up and down the floor, that was a close game. I think the final score was 12 to 9, but it was a one-goal game for most of the entire game. And I said, wow, for a preseason game, this is amazing. If our fans get a load of this every week, what a great great league will have. And it's just an indication of the commitment of the players and the coaches and the preparation they've done. So we've, we've built our teams uh, through very talented coaches who've worked really hard to do this. All right. So that's incredible. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, and I've had, so well, I used to live in Phoenix, Arizona as well. And I used to train at an MMA gym out there because I'm a big fan of MMA and I participated myself while I was there. I ended up coming across a, a lacrosse player that started training there and he started training because the uh, COVID lockdowns stopped the sports. So he wasn't able to participate. But when I was just training with him and rolling, he just, he had a natural athleticism. He was very strong. And uh, I could tell like immediately from wrestling with him that he was an athlete, that he had played some sport at that point. And he was, I forget all that he was giving me details on with him and lacrosse, but it was, like the same exact way that you're explaining it's just non-stop constant pack action it's you need the cardio you need the conditioning you need the ability to just get the job done yeah i'll tell you what um the other thing that the fans will just be amazed so they're already great athletes 
you know, without a stick in their hand. And, you know, they have to run up and down the floor. They have to have stamina. They have to have physical strength to take, to take the hitting that goes on in the game. But then you add the element of putting a stick in their hand and what they can do with this stick and with the ball while they're running at full speed, while they're changing directions, while they're getting hit and, you know, cross-checked or, or slashed, you know, um, certain levels of that are legal. Uh, the, the stick skills that the fans will see will just make their eyes pop out of their heads because it, it is, uh, it's incredible, you know, and they do it in tight spaces. And so all I can say is it's so hard to describe how fun it is. You, you have to come out and see it for yourself to really believe what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, one of these times in the future, you're going to have to have a, an event here in Arizona. So that way uh, us on the West Coast can go and check it out. Well, you know, this uh, we have the Jim Thorpe team. And the Jim Thorpe team is part of the league uh, growth is doing a little barnstorming. So some of their games are going to be played at neutral sites. So we are looking for a couple neutral sites. Uh, uh, who knows? We may end up in Arizona, you know, maybe not this year, but next year. And that's one of the cool things that with the Jim Thorpe, you know, owed to diversity, uh, they're our road team. You know, they've got some home games, but they're playing on the road to grow the game, uh, show the indigenous culture and the diversity of the team and um, maybe coming to a market near you. Hey, yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. We get a bunch of people from here in Arizona and check it out. I know I'd be there for a fact guarantee. Well, I did win a championship in Arizona. Uh, my Rochester Nighthawks really? team. Yep. And the NLL. There was the Arizona Sting, uh, and they played in the old Coyotes arena. And so they hosted the championship game against Rochester. I'm happy to say that Rochester came out victorious, but it was a great trip. Uh, the fans really enjoyed it, and I, I thought right then and there, they didn't have the team there now, but I, I could see someday uh, lacrosse going back to Arizona. Yeah, that'd be awesome. How long ago did you uh, play that game? Oh, my gosh, that has to be about uh, about 11 years now. You said about 11 years ago? Yeah. Wow. Wow. So what was your impression of Arizona? Because are you primarily from the East Coast? Yeah, I've worked a little. I worked for a year out in LA. Uh, I've been out to Arizona a little bit. It was my first, um, at that time, it was, I was, we were out there for a few days. So I really enjoyed it. You know, it was definitely a little bit different, pretty flat, pretty dry, needless to say. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, it was, um, uh, the, you know, the, the arena area around was, was gorgeous and the, the development around it was gorgeous. So, so we really enjoyed our trip in particular because we won, of course. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. A lot of people, they get surprised when they come to Arizona, like, especially like peak summer months where they get hit with the dryness and the heat. And then, uh, like I'm from Lake Havasu city, which is in Arizona and it's the hottest populated region in the entire country. Like the summers here will typically get cool. like 130 around yeah. that range. It gets hot. And I get, um, when I worked for a hotel out here, I got all kinds of people from all around the world, like Germany, Poland, um, Austria, where else? I literally everywhere, even from France, Italy, they come here, they experience the heat and they go off of Celsius. So when I tell them that it's like 50 Celsius, their, jo their jaws drop their eyes just go wide open. <laughs> yeah, no, it, uh, you know, I've been out to Vegas quite a bit too. So I've experienced the, you know, the hot dryness. So make sure you have a water bottle with you at all times. Mm -hmm. Yep, you keep a five gallon jug on your back. At all times, yep. Yeah, exactly. And so tell me, what's the, what's the plan uh, for the PBLA for 2023? What's your goals for the next year? 
Well, I think, you know, first of all, you know, we'd like to establish ourselves, you know, as one of the most exciting lacrosse leagues, you know, in business, one of the most exciting sports in business. Uh, I think, you know, going into next year, we'd like to expand by at least two teams. Uh, we might expand to as many as four if uh, the combination of cities is right. And so I think we're going to take a lot of time this year to make sure our product's right, uh, treat our players properly and, and our, our fans properly and entertain. And uh, hopefully you know, over the next three or four years, we'd like to grow by at least two teams a year. And in some cases, you know, if we go out to the Midwest, we'd, probably have to, we'd have to grow by four teams to form an entire division. So depending mm -hmm. on where we're growing, we'll either go by two or by four teams. Okay. And do you have this, the division set up based off of the, like the geographical location in the States? Yeah, we have a map, you know, in our office um, and that we've sort of got a, a long range plan of pins as to where we'd like to be, where we think we can grow and where the, pl where the player pools are, you know? And so mm -hmm. while we're looking for expansion, we're also looking, okay, where can we tap in to player pools that either exist or are growing that we can help grow? And so it's a fun combination because it's finding the right, you know, arenas, finding the right cities that aren't oversaturated with sports, finding, um, you know, if you can be a bigger fish in a small pond, I think that that helps our sport. Like in Elmira, uh, it's not a big city, not a lot to do in the winter. There's hockey and, you know, there's lacrosse. So it's going to be a big deal coming to the area. In Syracuse, it's just such a traditional lacrosse market. Um, you know, they have both Syracuse University they have the Onondaga Reserve there, just just years and years, decades of uh, across traditions. We had to be in that market. So, as we look, you know, I think long term we have to be in the Baltimore, you know, D.C. area for sure. Uh, we'd like to be more in Carolina for sure, and work our way down, you know, the East Coast. And then, man, we've got a lot of interest in the Midwest, like Chicago, St. Louis, uh, Kansas City, you know, Wichita. You know, so it's amazing, you know, that we didn't even know there was. Uh, you know, people playing out that way at, in great numbers, but it's it's uh, not as big as some areas, but they're growing rapidly. Yeah. Now, where do you see lacrosse going in the next five years, like on a national level? And like you get to a point where like how you see these other sports, they start scouting uh, players at a younger age. Is that kind of like a route you go plan on going in the next five years? Oh, yeah. We have to really support the you know, youth lacrosse and get more young players uh, playing indoor and box in the off season. So I, I see us supporting summer sort of like collegiate style leagues where college players are playing in the summer, learning the box game. I think, you know, getting into, you know, amateur youth lacrosse and getting kids playing, you know, the indoor game along with the outdoor game. Cause I think playing both, you know, makes you a well-rounded lacrosse player, well-rounded athlete. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, so a lot of emphasis on the growth of the youth game moving forward. Nice. Yeah. I, I would honestly love to see uh, more of the youth get into it because like when I was a kid growing up, all there was was just constantly soccer, basketball and baseball. Not too much variation outside of that, especially here in the West, because like I lived in Nevada, see sports there, Arizona, California, and it's always kind of the same repetition. And there's not a lot of diversity from what I noticed. So I feel like lacrosse for the youth especially would have a lot of success success over here in the West. Yeah, thank you. I, I think, you know, both as a particip participation sport, you know, everyone wants to try something different, right? You know, so lacrosse is a great cross between baseball, between hockey, between football, basketball. Some of the rules in lacrosse are, you know, designed around basketball too. Uh, 
And the other thing for entertainment, for fan seekers going out, looking on a weekend, every, we've all said this, right? Man, I'd love to do something different this weekend. What can I do that's, that's different this weekend? That's coming out to a box lacrosse game. You know, that's going to be your different entertainment mm-hmm. option in, in a weekend coming towards you. Yeah. And plus with it being such a fast paced, action packed game that could go upwards two and a half hours, you know, you got all kinds of entertainment stored for you. Yeah. And then you watch the guys go at it hard for two and a half hours. And then if you want, stick around for the post game and mingle with the players and talk about the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so like in mid action in a lacrosse, when they're playing, are they able to get like, rough with each other like kind of like with rugby they're able to the shoulder check each other obviously probably not tackle or anything like that oh my gosh yeah the no tackling but a tremendous amount of body checking and uh hitting it you know full speed and the other thing too is you know like in hockey cross checking with your stick is illegal uh across and in you know field across cross checking is legal between the shoulder pads and the hip as long as it's not, you know, uh, violent, uh, you can tap and sort of stick check the players. Now, not quite a slash, but you can use your stick to sort of impede the player's progress. Also, from the shoulder down to the hip, not at the head, not below the, not below the hip. So, a lot of body checking, a lot of stick work, um, and just, you know, it's almost like watching pinball. Sometimes the the ball's moving around so quick, the bodies are moving around all over the place, and next thing you know. <laughs> wow. Balls in the back of the net. So it's uh, an awful lot of fun. Wow. And they don't have, uh, for the equipment, it's the face helmet guard, it's the stick, and you have elbow pads, knee pads. Is that all the protection that you wear? Yeah, so they'll have the helmet with a with a, a face mask. Uh, they'll have sort of a shoulder pad, and some guys wear arm pads because there is, you know, like I say, checking on the arms. Uh, the goalies look, you know, in the past, the NLL and some of the other uh, indoor leagues, their goalies look like Michelin men. They're just big, you know, rolling, not not heavy guys, but with all the equipment on, they just look like the Michelin men. So one of the things our league is is trying to do is we've come up with goaltending equipment that's a little more streamlined and a little thinned down. And so our goalies are going to be hopefully a little more active. You know, they move around the goal more like a hockey goalie and not just stand and block and allow them to get into play a little bit. So they get the ball, they can move the ball up the floor trying to get the tra- transition going at the other opposite of the floor. So, yeah, so it's, uh, like I say, it's it's a game built for today. It's, it's a game built for, you know, short attention spans and action-packed, fun-loving fans. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so if I remember uh, you said correctly earlier, it could be played indoors and outdoors? Yeah, so uh, the game of lacrosse, you know, there's a game that's outdoors called field lacrosse and it's played with more guys on the field. It's like, I think 11 players and uh, there's no boards around it. It's like on a football field. Uh, the indoor game, which we're talking about is played more like on a hockey rink with turf on it. So there's boards like hockey boards, there's hockey glass and uh, you can bounce the ball off the glass, off the boards. You bounce bodies off the boards, you know, <laughs> while you're checking. Uh, and so it, it really condenses the game into a little, smaller surface. The field lacrosse game is actually experimenting with smaller fields and less number of players on the field called sixes. And uh, that's a very action-packed game as well. So there's just a lot of variations of lacrosse being played outdoors and indoors. All of it is fantastic. Um, and we're t- trying to take the American players who traditionally have played more on the field level outside, bring them indoors 
and uh, use your skills to make the indoor game you know, a more exciting game. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you ever get any players that get out of hand, like you see within hockey, where the shoulder check hits too hard, or like they really go at it, and then they start actually fighting? Do you ever come across that situation? You know, there'll be some occasional fights, and it's not, uh, you know, not, not the type of fighting you see that's you know set up as a as a gimmick. But it's you know when you're hitting hard, you're going hard for sixty minutes. Sometimes these teams would play each other more than once in a year. Sometimes rivalries begin. So, yeah, there's going to be an occasional dust up. You know, there's going to be occasional uh, scrum, I guess you'd say. But but overall, you know, it's really normally just hard hitting action and, and great stick skills. Okay. Okay. So they keep this, the sportsmanship pretty good throughout the yeah, entire really thing. Yeah. That's good. That's good. So you, you mentioned before that you also played lacrosse and you've done other sports as well. What's your own, like, sports background with everything you've done? Well, boy, so when I was younger, I was an all-sport guy. Uh, you know, I was into baseball. Uh, I was into lacrosse, soccer, hockey. You know, as I got a little older, uh, I really sort of focused more on hockey, believe it or not. And I went to college, played hockey in college, played a year of, of pro. And then I got out of it, got into the front office in marketing and sales and uh, stayed in hockey for a while. Then eventually spread my wings and, you know, worked in the NHL for, for 12 years. Well, it was more than 12 years. It was 10 years for the Buffalo Sabres, uh, two and a half years for the, the Tampa Bay Lightning. I started hockey in Florida with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I left Tampa to uh, buy my hometown team, my hometown hockey team in Rochester, New York, the Rochester Americans, uh, which is a dream come true for me. And you know, we won the Calder Cup championship in our first year. And we made the playoffs every year I had the team. And we you know, we were in the finals, I think, three other years, and uh, unfortunately, we lost the other three. But uh, then we got into lacrosse and, and started winning championships in lacrosse. We got into professional soccer, started winning championships in soccer. We were the only – I don't know if you're f familiar with Major League Soccer, Josh, and there's a tournament in professional soccer called the U.S. Open Cup, and it pits amateur soccer teams all the way up the level to Division Three pro teams, Division Two pro teams, and Major League Soccer teams. And the Rochester Rhinos, which we had, was a Division II uh, pro team. And uh, we marched through the Open Cup tournament one year. We beat four Major League Soccer teams in a, in a row and became the U.S. Open Cup champion of the United States, the only Division II team outside of Major League Soccer ever to win that trophy. And wow. So something we're, we're quite proud of. Nice, nice. Do you still keep that trophy all propped up? And still keep the, the trophy, case? still have the ring. I, I proudly have the ring for sure. Nice. What was that experience like in that moment where you where you won that? Well, it was unreal because um, you know we knew we had a good team, and but you know every major league soccer team we played. I think early on the first team we played didn't take us too seriously. Uh, the second we played at home and had a big crowd and we won and we had a little smaller field in Rochester and so I think the major league teams made a few comments saying we only won because of the field. And then the last two games, the Major League Soccer put us on the biggest fields they could find. And then you know, we won the semifinal game uh, against Columbus. And we played in a hurricane, you know, on uh, down in Virginia Beach, actually. And it was like 45, 50-mile-an-hour winds. And we pulled out the game in a dramatic fashion late in the game. And then went to the final. And it was on ESPN. And it was amazing that we were there, at, you know. And then we won the game two to nothing. 
And when the game was over, we sat there and we said, my gosh, for this moment, for tonight, you know, we're the best team in the United States of America in professional soccer. And, and uh, what's been fun, I watch the tournament every year and some teams from the lower levels make a run and come close, but no, no team has ever repeated what we've done. So every year that goes by and, and MLS wins the Open Cup, you know, we just feel better, better about what we were able to do way back then. Yeah, so you, you get to bask in that glory knowing that you got to make a stamp in that history and then just the like the exhilaration of having that whole story arc go through where the first team you said they didn't take you seriously second team they felt oh it's because of the size of the field and then they really come to terms and you get that glorification and that satisfaction the just the story i, I love stories like that oh and then winning that game in dramatic fashion in a hurricane you know, we were actually down by a goal with, I think, 10 minutes to go in the game. And we somehow, some way, and I think the wind was, I think, we, yeah, the wind was at our back, actually. So it was the first half we took the wind to our face. And, uh, but it was so crazy. You kicked the ball and would go 10 yards to the left, 10 yards to the right. So once we got behind late in the game, I felt, my gosh, there's just no way we can come back and win this game. And then we, we got a tying goal. And then, you know, basically in stoppage time, you know, we got the winning goal. And, um, uh, you know, it was like it was like a movie almost. It's like we're at that point. It seemed like it was destiny happening. Yeah, yeah, something that's just going to be etched in not only your own personal history but in the world of sports too. Yeah, so proud of that. Oh yeah, absolutely. I would be proud of that too because, as like any athlete, period, there, it's almost like an innate desire for them to have legacy in whatever sport that they participate in and to be able to set records or to accomplish something that very few can accomplish or possibly nobody else can do. That's, I say that's the ultimate peak of what athletes uh, yearn for. Yeah, no, you've hit it right in the head, you know, and, and to play a role in the U S soccer history, um, it's very humbling, you know, and to go, go see the highlights, and have, you know, every year around Open Cup time, the story comes up every year. You know, is there another Rochester Rhino team out there? Is another team going to do what, what the Rhinos did? And then, you know, when we see a team making a run, I'm always not sure how I'm cheering. I mean, in a way, I'm cheering for the underdog. But at the same time, I don't want anyone to really do what we did. So it's, it's always sort of a mixed bag, uh, but fun to watch either way. But to know we're a part of that history and, and uh, we get to be celebrated every year. You know, it's just a, it's just an honor and it's uh, a joy to be, be part of that memory. Oh yeah, absolutely. I can imagine some funny hypothetical where there's a team that manages to do it and you guys are there, but you're like, just jealous. It's like, ah, screw you guys. We did it first. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe quietly, but we'd be cheering for them, you know, openly, but you know, everyone <laughs> has pride. And, and so, you know, everyone handles it a little differently. Yeah. There's pride too in the fact that you have you've accomplished something that again i say that so few people have accomplished but not only that is that for somebody to actually achieve it they've had to put in way more work than you guys had to they had to put in more time they had to really bring the craft down to a t to where they could reach that level of greatness in that moment in time you know, the thing I was proud of, too, is of our coaches and players. We sat down before the season started, and we were trying to put together a team to win the Open Cup. And so, you know, we boldly said to our team, 
you know, when we had our first dinner together is that you guys are all here for a reason. And that reason is, you know, we want to go out this year and win the open cup championship. And the expression on the players faces at the time, some of it was like, yeah, let's go. Some were like, yeah, right. You know, like, you know, we're a division two team and that's going to be a, a tall order. But then when they saw how serious we were, like everyone bought in, everyone bought in. And that was our goal from day one. And to be able to go out, establish that goal first day and then achieve the goal. My gosh, I wish everything I did in life was like that. You know, I'd be even more successful than I am. But but it was a, a, a little bit of a lesson on how to put together, you know, I mean, you got to have goals, right? You got to shoot for the stars. Yeah. And then you have to have the right people, the right coaches, the right players. And you said more than anything else, our players totally bought in, were totally dedicated, sacrificed an awful lot, you know, fought for each other, and uh, and found a way to win a national championship. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's something that I always put incredible emphasis on because I'm I've gotten big back into lifting, exercising, and then I especially do a lot in the sport of MMA. And just to get to work with a lot of fighters and the experiences I go through in order just to go through all this, you need experience, you need dedication, discipline, motivation is only a fraction of it because you're not always motivated, but you have to make yourself disciplined to the craft, to the sport and in every endeavor. So true. No, you hit it right in the head. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's why I'm a big fan of MMA. Like, do you follow anything at all in the sports of MMA? Yeah, occasionally. I mean, I've been pretty busy, um, but, um, you know, some of the big fights and some of the, the stars, yeah, you can't help but, but enjoy those, you know. I mean, I was, in fact, we're, we're, we may be doing a, uh, a movie coming up with um, Cowboy Cerrone. And so, you know, I know he's retired now, but uh, what, a, what a personality he is and what a great guy he is. And so, you know, his popularity still, you know, is... Uh, making him possibly a, a great fit for a movie we're trying to work on. Nice. You said Cowboy Cerrone? Yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. He was one of my favorite fighters growing up watching. Oh, he's yeah. he's so fun and entertaining, and I, you know, I think he's going to carry that over to the screen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's what, like, even comparing to other sports, like, as, as we're talking about lacrosse and everything, I'm also thinking the same way with MMA because – I don't know why just MMA has been the most fascinating sport for me with a lot of the things I've done, but it's with lacrosse players, for example, when they put in all this work, all this effort, the blood, sweat, and tears, the cardio conditioning, everything. And then also just the raw hunger and desire as a competitor to achieve a legacy, to achieve some level of accomplishment or record. The same thing too that I see nonstop with MMA fighters. Like I work on it uh, with a lot of amateur fighters, and the things they have to go through, the sacrifice they have to make, working forty-hour week, uh, forty hours a week jobs on top mm -hmm. of training four to eight hours a day, going, God knows, days without eating to do a weight cut. It's just incredible. It's incredible to see what athletes do for themselves and how much they push themselves to achieve legacy and greatness. No, and you know, sports like MMA, it's it's uh, the individual. You know, it's it's do or die for the individual. You know, the work you put in, you know, the results you have in the ring, uh, and that's that's real fighting. That's war. That's war in the cage. Mm -hmm. you know, there's no doubt about that. And 
um, you know, and I, I, the, our lacrosse athletes are similar in respect. Like you said, that most of them have 40 hour week jobs and have to find, you know, time to train, uh, time to practice, and then, you know, just play at an extremely high level on the weekends and then go back to work on Monday. So, you know, there's a lot of sacrifice, you know, they've got to question whether it's worth it. And, um, you know, but when you see their skill level and the end result, obviously it's worth it for the fans and hopefully it's worth it for the players. Oh yeah, definitely. It makes me think of a, a term that I learned because I study textbooks my off time, but there's this psychological or psychology term called achievement motivation. And it basically just falls down to there's certain individuals that has this fire inside of them that's willing to take greater risk for greater reward versus others who don't have that same desire. With these athletes, these lacrosse players, MMA fighters, everybody that's putting in that sacrifice and that work where maintaining a family on top of a full-time job, on top of trying to train and putting food on the table and every other obstacle that life throws in your way. When you have that fire to take that greater risk, it just, it makes the story so much more beautiful. No, it makes the story beautiful. And, uh, and again, like I say, MMA, I mean, that is, that's real life fighting. And that's, uh, you know, it's one-on-one. -on -one. It's, it's how, how bad do you want it? How, how much can you take in the ring? You know, how much can you sacrifice uh, without tapping out? You know, uh, a lot of the personal decisions had to be made in that ring. And mm -hmm. before you ever get in the ring, you know, uh, the preparation you have to do and the, the work you have to put in it just just to compete uh, separates, I think, a lot of the, the athletes from not wanting to do it. So I, my hat goes off in full respect, you know, to anyone in those types of sports where, you know, you're only counting on yourself, you know. I like team sports a lot because you learn a lot how to be teammates and you learn how to get through adversity with friends, you know, shoulder to shoulder with you. But I also have tremendous respect, you know, for those athletes that have to go out there and do that alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause you're, you're not in there. Like you have your team, you have your corner, your coach and everybody during training camp that helped you. But once you step into the ring, you're just, you're by yourself with one other person. Yeah, that's it. No. Yeah. Well, I think we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Um, thank you so much for coming on. I truly do appreciate it. This is a fantastic conversation. Josh, I've really enjoyed this. I uh, really appreciate the time you've given our league and myself and allow me to share some of my own personal stories. Uh, great questions. And uh, like I say, hope you get a chance to check us out. Our games are going to be on Lacrosse TV weekly, a game of the week. And hopefully we'll get the PBA out to Arizona someday. Oh, yeah, definitely. And if you want, you can send some of the links to James, have him forward it to me so I can go and watch more of it. We'll do that. We'll appreciate that. We'll happily do that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, heck yeah. Well, hey, again, thank you so much for coming on and thank you to the fans for watching. This is Josh Said What, the podcast that'll change the world. And hey, we'll see you in the next one.